This very day, I worship and adore. This is going to be our opening prayer this morning, okay? This very day, I worship and adore, for I am drawn towards your mystery. I cannot fully know you, but before I was conceived, you knew and summoned me. You called me into being. I was formed both in my mother's womb and in the sea of your strong love. The blood that warmed my growing body also flowed in you when you were hid in Mary's womb and formed in our humanity. And so I turn to you because you know my heart better than I. The darkness there was never dark to you. However low I fall, however high I rise, your loving presence meets me there. And you still will be with me even when I die. Amen. Amen. That is such a good, good poem um, by one of my new favorite poets, Matthew, uh, Matthew Gates. And this one is called, it's titled Domine Probosti. Anyone know Latin? Domine Probosti. Uh, thou hast. Like, it's Psalms 139, uh, where he writes, However low I fall, however high I rise, your loving presence meets me there. Or, as my beautiful daughter read this morning in our liturgy, if I climb to the heavens, Lord, upon the highest stair, or if I plunge the lowest depths, I know that you are there. Uh, this is one of my very favorite in all the Psalms, which is interesting because I've never actually preached on Psalms 139. I've spoken about it before, but never actually preached on it. This was actually a game changer for me, even in my own faith journey a number of years back. And I think it's the perfect wrap up for our series this summer that we're in ordinary time, right? The liturgical season of ordinary time, because seeing the extraordinary in the ordinary of our lives, this is what we've been talking about for about eight weeks now, is noticing the fact that there is nowhere that God is that, nowhere that we can go that God isn't, yeah? I mean, that, that really is in a sense of what we've been doing, is noticing, being aware of the Spirit moving in our lives, right? We talked about the Sabbath, okay? Sabbath, right? Taking a rest. It's, that was us noticing the presence of God through our rest, our ability to say, no, I don't need to be God. I don't need to be on all the time. And so there I can be still and notice God. Or in our hospitality, right? Noticing the presence of God through our welcoming of other people, especially other people who may think differently or see the world through a different lens than we do. We talked about our words, right? Noticing the presence of God, perhaps maybe even others noticing the presence of God through the words that we speak out of these very either beautiful or dangerous mouths that we have. But we also talked about God's word, right? Reading God's word, listening to God's word. We talked about contemplation and we used the examine practice or, or detachment. We did, a, we did a detachment practice as well. We did centering prayer at one point. Um, Nick preached about sharing a meal, right? These are all ways in which we can notice the presence of God that David writes is everywhere. There's nowhere that the presence of God isn't. And so we notice the presence of God in our ordinary lives, and this all culminates in what Pastor Steve talked about last week, which is the more excellent way. Right from 1 Corinthians, the more excellent way of love as found in Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. Because think about this. Being present to God is 
loving God. And being present to one another, no matter what it is that we're doing in any kind of avenue or whether we're in here or we're at a party like last night or in our schools or in our workplaces, being present to one another is loving one another. This is the very ethos of Christ's spirit that's given through his command to us that we've talked about at length for numbers of years here, which is to love God and to love others, right? Being in the presence, noticing the presence of God is loving God. Noticing the presence of others is loving others. In letters to Malcolm, uh, renowned author C.S. Lewis wrote, uh, a lot of people love C.S. Lewis. He's got a lot of great books out there. He says, we may ignore, but we can nowhere evade the presence of God. He said, the world is crowded with God and God walks everywhere incognito. I don't know what you think of when you think of incognito, but it's almost like in like, like he's there even if we don't notice. Like it kind of like just stand, like just kind of like always there. And you see C.S. Lewis here is echoing this entire series that we've been talking about. Um, he's echoing this beautiful imagery that David gives us in Psalms 139. So what I want to do this morning is just spend a few minutes in this beautiful psalm. In, in, in the first 14 verses, I believe, um, if you're following along, um, we're going to begin in verse 1. So if you've got a Bible and you want to follow along, if you want to just close your eyes and listen, totally up to you. This is your time to spend with God. But we're going to be in Psalms 139, where David begins with simply Yahweh. Right? Yahweh as being I am. You know, I am. He goes, Yahweh, you have shakar. You have searched me thoroughly. And yada, you have known me. He says, you know my rising up and my sitting down. He says, you understand my far off thoughts. You know those thoughts that we have that we sometimes can barely even remember that we have those thoughts and then they come kind of come flooding back in. He says, God, you know those far off thoughts. He says, you zara, you scatter my path. As in like, you help me down these, down these paths and you are intimately, intimately acquainted with all of my ways. He says, even before there's a word on my tongue, behold, Yahweh, you know it all. That's a kind of a little bit scary there. Before the word even forms on our tongue, whether, it, I mean, if it's a good one, then I guess maybe we like that God knows that good word. But if we're about to like rip a new one to someone, I guess maybe that's not great, but... Are you starting to get this sense that where David's going here? He's, really, he's getting to the heart of what we've been talking about, that there's nowhere we can go. Because he says, you have tuzar, tuzar. You've hedged me in, right? Meaning you've enclosed me behind and before. And you've placed your hand upon me. Because such infinite knowledge is too wonderful for me. Like, I, it's too high. I cannot reach it, David says. And this is where it really starts to hit home for me. He says, where can I go from your Ruach? Right, we've talked about Ruach and Numa, right? Ruach in the Old Testament, Numa in, in, in the New. That word that is synonymous, spirit, wind, and breath. He says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I go from your breath? Where can I go from your wind? Where can I flee from your presence? He says, if I ascend to Shamayim, 
If I ascend to the skies or to the heavenly realms, you are there. If I lay in Sheol or the grave or what's under the ground, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, we can't even get as humans to the uttermost part of the sea yet, right? But if we could, even there your hand will lead me. And your right hand will take hold of me, will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will cover me, and the night will be the only light around me, it says, even that darkness is not dark to you, and conceals nothing from you. But the night shines as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. God, this is beautiful poetic imagery here. He goes, for you formed my kilia. My kidneys. (laughs) Not sure why David chose to use the word kidneys, but most of your English translations will say inward parts. Um, Basically, you formed my inward parts, my my kidneys. You cacock me. You covered me in the betanem, in the womb of my mother. You covered me in the womb of my mother. And so I will give thanks. I will praise you, for I am in awe. I am in awe of how pala, how set apart or distinct I've been made. Wonderful are your works. And my nefesh, my soul, my living being, my life, my person, myself, my desires, my passions, my appetites, my emotions, it all knows it so very well. My ostem. My all sem, my bones, my literal bones were not hidden from you. When I was made in the kether, in the covering, in the secret, skillfully crafted in the lowest parts of the earth. This is so good, isn't it? I mean, this is just so, this is why this psalm kind of hit me so hard when I really dug into it a number of years back because it's like I don't have to even believe that God's presence is around me for it to actually be true, right? I can have my doubts, and he's still there. He's still there walking right beside me. There's nowhere I can go. If I ascend the Shamayim, right, the skies, the heavenly realms, what's up? You're there. Or in Sheol, the grave, what's under the ground, you're still there. He says, my soul and my bones, right, Flesh and blood are formed all by the hand of our creator God, the author of life. And think about it, if there is a divine being, an author of life, something that speaks this into existence and has its hand, its right hand, its left hand, holding it fast, then it's impossible for it to not be everywhere. There's nowhere that the author is not. That's how things in the divine world work. You don't have to believe that that's true, but that's what believing in the divine is, is that it is, it is everywhere. In sorrow so deep that we can't find our way out, God will comfort us there. In moments that are so dark, David says, that are so dark that he can't even see, in the belly of the, of the ocean, moments that are so dark that we stumble over our own two feet, He says, God will light that way. In joy which cascades into our souls, he says, God fills us with healing. Healing that only 
the author of life can even bring. Because even when we cannot see it, even when we refuse to acknowledge it, God's hope is all around us, surrounding us with peace and healing. The question then becomes, can we notice it? Right? Can we notice that it's there? Can we notice that that breath that we breathe in is in fact the breath, the pneuma, the ruach, the spirit? And so all these tools we've been putting in our tool belt this summer, maybe some worked for you, maybe some didn't. That's okay. I mean, there's not, not every practice is going to be for everyone. Like, I mean, I love to play guitar, but I can barely play piano. Like, this doesn't, it just doesn't work. So not every tool that we have in the toolbox is going to be for everyone. But all of these tools, and that was why we did wanted to do like eight to ten weeks or so of this, was intended to help us notice, simply notice the presence of God. These tools are a way of living into a deeper awareness of God's activity in our lives. Keeping our souls, right? What, what did uh, David say? He called it our nefesh, right? And, and that word nefesh in Hebrew is a soul. It's our self. It's our person. It's our desires, passion, appetites, and emotions, right? It's, it's our entire ethos of who we are. It's the core of our being. Awake to the spirit moving in what we do. And here's where it, this is where it really comes down to. So that way we can bask in our true identity. Right? We talked about this, Christ crucified. Right? We can bask in being crucified with Christ, baptized with Christ into new life with the one in whom we live and move and have our being, as Paul says. And so practicing this noticing. See, this is why it's so important and why we talk so much about going from our head to our heart. Just knowing that God is there is fantastic. But until we allow that to sink deep, it's simply this practice is a way for us to notice and it's a way for us to love and stay connected to him. And on the flip side, I'll say it's the same as practicing being fully present in the lives of those around us. You notice a lot of these practices have to do with other people, right? And we're going to get there in just a second. But it's because being fully present in the lives of those around us are ways of loving other people. Ways of loving and being connected with them. All the while, when we're in the presence of each other, we're in the presence of the Imago Dei, Christ within each and every one of us. It's like two sides of the same divine coin. Think about that. Think about a coin, right? Two sides, divine, right? Loving God, loving others. But we see the divine in both. Because when we truly see the Imago Dei and what God has formed, as David said, in our mother's wombs, think about this. When we can truly see the image of God stamped on every single person that we come across, and I mean every single person we come across, we are seeing the extraordinary in the ordinary. Because what is more extraordinary than what's been made in God's image? I can't think of anything else. I don't know what miracle or what mystery or what natural wonder is out there. I, I, there, there is something very extraordinary about seeing the image of God in another human face. In those who are created in a womb. We all come from a womb until we learn how to genetically modify human beings, and then the sermon will change. But, um, but for now, we're all, we come from the same place. Ordinary womb, I mean, it's not ordinary, but I mean, there's billions of wombs in the 
history. There's billions of people, right? So it's a very ordinary thing, but we're seeing the extraordinary because the person who comes from those wombs was formed by the author of life. And so there's two ways. Two ways that I'm going to ask that we practice this week. This is how we're going to wrap up this series. I have no idea what we're going to do the next couple weeks or even into the into rally. I'm going to let the Spirit lead this week as we go. Uh, probably go use the lectionary, because the lectionary in ordinary time are a bunch of stories of Jesus showing the extraordinary power of himself, but in the ordinary people's lives. So we may continue the theme, but yet move in a different direction with it. Because I feel like if we keep doing these, this exact same theme, these sermons are all going to start to sound the same. Um, which is not always bad to hear the same thing multiple times, but I'm, uh, now I'm pulling a Pastor Steve number two and rambling. Sorry. Um, I cannot wait to talk to you after this one. I love you. What? A tad bit. Well, you don't know how much longer I got. Let, let's try these two things this week, though. Let's try these two things. All right. Um, I'm going to do them with you this week. I did not do this this past week. I didn't even write this till uh, toward, towards the end of the week. But let's try two things. There's one way we can practice this week being in the presence of God. Okay, I'm going to give us a tool that we can use to be in the presence of God. And then a different way that we can practice being in the presence of others. But yet in the presence of others, we are seeing the image of God in others, right? So it's kind of the same. It kind of goes hand in hand. The first one is, let's just pick one day this week. I don't care what day you do it. You can do it multiple days if you want to start today or tomorrow. That's fine. That's up to you. The goal is to just simply at least start with one, okay? And I want that day for you to offer your entire self to God. Offer your entire self to God. And here's what I mean, okay? Remember centering prayer? We talked about how our minds are going to wander during meditation, during contemplation. And the whole point is to simply just kind of guide that word back into our noticing, that we notice that we're in that presence. In our lives, we're going to wander. It's going to be impossible for you to literally focus your attention on God all day long. That's not going to happen, right? Paul says, pray constantly. Doesn't mean that literally. Doesn't mean get on your hands and knees, fold your hands, bow your head, and just sit there and pray all day. We'd starve, we would never have money, or we would never make babies, all those kind of fun things that we do in life. So, but here's the goal. Maybe even use that same word you use during centering prayer, but during that day that you designate, just try to center your attention back to just noticing the presence of the Spirit in whatever moment that it happens to be, whether it's good or bad. The goal is to be intentional, okay? Even if it's for a day or, or, or a morning, just simply be intentional. Don't get discouraged if you notice yourself not doing it because it's, you're, that's, gonna, that's the whole point of it, is it's not going to be the entire day. Just at that moment you notice you're not noticing, notice. You see what I'm saying? All right, a couple examples. So if you're enjoying time with a loved one or a good meal, simply stop. Even if it's like a millisecond and notice, right? Take a brief moment to be grateful for either that food or, or that family around the table or, or, or whoever it might be. Maybe you're in, in a conversation with someone. I mean, we, a lot of people do this before a meal anyways, right? Say a prayer. That's kind of the same thing, centering back on knowing that the, the spirit is there present in that table. Just simply stop and know that the Spirit is breathing into your life, okay? Or perhaps you're stressed out. You're stuck in traffic. You're, you're starting to lose your mind. You feel your heart racing. Um, I remember talking to, uh, uh, to someone once who was having a hard time figuring something out. 
and and uh, and I said, well, hey, how about this? When you're when you're get, when you're there and you're getting really frustrated, just take a deep breath, the same deep breath that we take in the beginning of our services, right? So this is what our liturgy and our services are meant to do: is to help us with the liturgy of the rest of our lives. We talk about that all the time. So let's say you're stuck in traffic or you're trying to figure something out and you're getting your, you find yourself just getting very flustered and very frustrated. It's going to happen this week. I promise you at one point this week, you probably will get flustered and frustrated, okay? Maybe at that moment, just simply remember that beginning of the service. Remember that deep breath. Take the deep breath and simply notice that you may not be buried six feet under in Sheol, like, you know, under the ground, like David said, but Christ is right there with you even in that frustrating moment. Just notice that the Spirit is coursing in and out of your lungs just through that simple exercise of taking a deep breath. And then see how this practice affects the way in which you carry yourself throughout the day. Just kind of notice, kind of keep notice then of what your, your body feels like during the, 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 the rest of the day, the way you think, the way you feel, the way you uh, react to situations and to other people. Okay, so that's practice number one. Pick one day and do that. This, is not, this doesn't even really involve you changing much of your day. It's just simply noticing, Okay. Practice number two. This one's a little bit, uh, this one's a little wonky, and, but I kind of like that. I kind of am excited to try this. Uh, pick a different day and intentionally notice those around you through the practice. I've never heard this before, but I found this in Adele Calhoun's book, The Practice of Interruptions. Who likes to be interrupted? Like when you're trying to do something, like and you really want to focus and someone interrupts you? Like maybe you're having coffee time and you want to talk to your wife and your kids don't ever stop talking to you? The little, little kids, sorry, not you or you're trying to get a task done, you're in the office, or you're busy doing something. Here's, here's, the, here's the practice, okay? Throughout that day, throughout that day, if someone interrupts you, drop everything immediately. Doesn't matter what you're doing. Put the phone away, uh, stop talking to your spouse, whatever, whatever it is that you're doing that you think you need to be doing, I promise you that distraction will be there again when it's over. You'll be able to pick that back up. You will have time for this, I promise. And simply be in the presence of the person that wanted your attention at that moment. Just do it. Just see what could happen. Remind yourself. Remind yourself that you're in the presence of Christ's spirit at that moment, right? We're seeing Christ through the Imago Dei in the image of that one person. And remember that this is the Christ who always, you know, no matter what it seems like when you read through the scriptures, I mean, the scriptures, we don't see exactly every moment of Christ's life, but we get a good snapshot. And it seems like, he always had time for people who interrupted him, right? Even if he was going somewhere super important, like his Lazarus, his good friend, was dead in a tomb. And he's like, yeah, I'll get there when I'm done being in the presence of these people first. Remember that some of Christ's most gracious miracles happen when interrupted, and just see how this practice affects your day, right? Like, what is it like for you to stop everything and simply just be 100% in the presence of the person who's interrupting you? present to that imago day, that divine in others, to the spirit of Christ in the midst of the interruption. I don't know. It could be kind of cool. It could be really annoying, depending on what you're trying to actually get done that day. Um, and if you have little kids, it could be almost impossible, because I think they might interrupt you all day long. But So maybe we won't do that at home. Maybe we'll do it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but here's the thing. The, the idea is to simply not put stress on yourselves. Not to get discouraged about this. Don't, don't beat yourselves up because something's not working. It's a, if it's not helping you grow closer to God, then toss the toolbox. To, toss it out of the toolbox. It's not worth it. Okay? The point is just to simply start noticing. To simply notice where the Spirit is in your life. 
and where it may you're not noticing it, okay? That's it. What I want to do is I want to finish by reading uh, the Domine Probasti, okay? I really think that's a beautiful poem, and I want it to, um, I'm going to read through it reflectively one more time. I'm actually going to give you uh, a chance to grab your community elements, elements now if you haven't done so. So while I'm talking, maybe grow, grab those elements real quick. Um, so that way we can go from the reading into prayers into the Eucharist and have a more seamless transition without this kind of stuff going on. This is why we took the uh, announcements, by the way. We used to do the announcements in the middle of the service and put it in the beginning because it was starting to feel like it was just breaking up the flow. So, yes. What's that? Oh. I'm listening to you. doesn't matter what else I'm doing. I am only listening to you. Where you interrupt yourself? Oh, I interrupt myself all the time. I've got some like kind of high ADD tendencies, so my whole life is one constant interruption with my brain. My brain never turns off, by the way. It's just, I wake up at three in the morning, we're talking about this last night, and I was like, what is the meaning of life? It's like, okay, Chris, you can calm, calm down for one moment. What do I do? I take a deep breath and try to just calm myself down. Usually it helps me, or I'll go watch TV at three in the morning tonight, that's what I do. Which everyone tells me is the worst thing I could possibly do because it gets me all back in the blue light and all that stuff. So, well, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to read this. Um, I'm going to read this poem one more time, and I want to invite you just to to take that deep breath now. Maybe close your eyes. This very day, I worship and adore. For I am drawn towards your mystery. I cannot fully know you, but before I was conceived, you knew and summoned me. You called me into being. I was formed both in my mother's womb and in the sea of your strong love. The blood that warmed my growing body also flowed into you. When you were hid in Mary's womb and formed in our humanity, I turn to you because you know my heart better than I. The darkness there was never dark to you. However low I fall, however high I rise, your loving presence meets me there and you will still be with me when I die. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Christ Jesus, and Holy, Holy, Holy Spirit, As we continue to not simply notice your presence in this room, notice your presence that's swirling in and out of our lungs as we gather to worship this morning, as we incorporate these liturgies into our morning. But would you allow us to notice your presence that is never not there? Your presence that surrounds us, that hedges us, as David said. We need the help of your spirit. We need the help of your strong, loving arms that hold us fast as we sang in one of our songs this morning. God, we bring all of these things before you. We bring our very souls, our appetites, our desires, our emotions everything that's about this center, this core of who we are. We bring everything before you. 
Because when we do, when we truly live in your moment, when we're fully present to you and to each other in every moment, there, I believe, we will see a glimpse of heaven on earth. God, we pray all these things in your name, in Jesus' name, in Christ's name, who taught us to pray, our Father who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts just as we forgive those who indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.